special chapter. I memorized this chapter. Well, I was in Bible college. We had to do a, uh, a, a uh, interpretive reading. You probably don't say it that way in English anymore. I'm, I do a lot of translating from Spanish into English, but it was something where you read and you try to read it like it was supposed to be said originally. And, and this was my choice for our speech class. And to really be able to make that, I, I actually memorized that. Now, I can't, I can't say it in English. I did memorize it later in Spanish. I lost my English a long time ago, what I had memorized in English. But, uh, but it was a great blessing to, to uh, meditate and hear, in a way, hear, read the, a prayer that came from the heart of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, uh, I remember going up into uh, a, a mountain above our city of Tuxtla Gutierrez because a Brother Jack Baskin, I don't know if you've heard of Brother Baskin, he was the head of the Bible College, Pacific Coast Baptist Bible College, where we, Debbie and I studied back in the early 70s. And uh, a, a man who's be, just been an inspiration to us, almost a legend in his own time. And he even at 90, to, uh, 90 years old, He's still coming down to preach the week of our the opening of our Bible college down there in Chiapas. And uh, uh, just an amazing story. But he said, Dan, take me up to a place, a high place, so we can look over this city and pray for this city. And so we did that. We drove up to a high place, and, and it was hot. It was really hot. But, but just to listen to Brother Baskin pray was a blessing to me. I've often wondered what it would be like to listen to some great men of history. What would it have been like to, to kneel with Charles Spurgeon and hear him pray? Uh, you know, to hear men of God that are walking with the Lord to pray would be a great blessing. Of course, many of the greatest prayers were a mother's prayer, to hear your mother pray. And, and, but the, I, I just say that to, to let you think about how special this chapter is because here... It's like we're right there with the Lord Jesus Christ and hearing the most precious of prayers being prayed by the, by the greatest person who could ever pray to God. And so let's look into this uh, chapter 17 of the book of John for a few minutes. It starts saying, These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy Son that thy Son also may glorify thee, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Now the Lord starts meant talking, because this was the prayer that he prayed before he went out to the Garden of Gethsemane. And, of course, he prayed in Gethsemane, uh, that, that prayer where he sweat, as it were, great drops of blood. But here he is praying before God the Father that his work is coming to an end. His work is finished. He's still uh, right there within uh, just a very short period of time going to be betrayed and delivered unto the judgment and uh, be falsely accused and then be abused in every man, manner possible and then crucified, crucified on that cross and bear your sins and my sins. 
in order to free us from condemnation. He was facing that. He had come. He had finished the work that he had to give, the work to, to provide eternal life by living a perfect life. He had never sinned. Though he could be the perfect Lamb of God, he came uh, to give that eternal life and to, to give himself as a sacrifice, but also to start a chain of witnesses. He had prepared those, those 12 disciples and others that then he commissioned later on to go and to preach the gospel in all the world and to make other disciples and to prepare them to also fulfill the Great Commission and each generation to train and to, to preach the gospel, win souls to Christ, uh, and, and teach them to observe all the things that he had commanded, and above all, to teach them also to be witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. He started this chain of witnesses. But his time was at an end, but our time was just starting. And so he says, and now... Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me, and they have kept thy word. Now they have known that all things whatsoever thou hast given me are of thee. For I have given unto them the words which thou gavest me, and they have received them, and have known surely that I came out from thee, and they have believed that thou didst send me. Send me. I pray for them. I pray not for the world, but for them which thou hast given me, for they are thine, and all mine are thine, and thine are mine, and I am glorified in them. And now I am no more in the world, but these are in the world, and I come to thee. Holy Father, keep through thine own name those which th whom thou hast given me, that they may be one as we are. While I was with them in the world, I kept them in thy name. Those that thou gavest me I have kept, and none of them is lost but the son of perdition, that the scripture might be fulfilled. And now I come I to thee, and these things I speak in the world, that they might have my joy fulfilled in themselves. I have given them thy word. And the world hath hated them, because they are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. They are not of the world, even as I am not of the world. Sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. As thou hast sent me into the world, even so have I also sent them into the world. And for their sakes I sanctify myself, that they also might be sanctified through the truth. Neither pray I for these alone, but for them also which shall believe on me through their word, that they all may be one, as thou, Father, art in me, and I in thee, that they also may be one in us, that the world may believe that thou hast sent me. And the glory which thou, hast, which thou gavest me, I have given them, that they may be one, even as we are one. I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me, and hast loved them as thou hast loved me. Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, 
that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. O righteous Father, the world hath not known thee, but I have known thee, and these have known that thou hast sent me. And I have declared unto them thy name, and will declare it, that the love wherewith thou hast loved me may be in them, and I in them. And so the Lord Jesus Christ prays to the Father about the end of his work, and he, and he can say, the work that thou hast given me, I, I've finished. I've, I've done the job that you sent me to do. The Lord Jesus Christ had humbled himself before God. First lesson of great importance to all of us to humble ourselves, just as our Lord Jesus Christ and without conditions, he put no conditions, leaving heaven, leaving all the glory, leaving the comforts, the praise, the service, leaving everything for me. You say, that's hard to believe, for you, for us, to come to this world and, and to humble himself, take the form of a servant and, and be made in the likeness of man and humble himself until, the, until death and the death of the cross. And this is what he was fulfilling. And the, but our, our task was just starting. And, and we hear him praying for us, those who, re, uh, he said he had given eternal life, and now we enjoy that eternal life. Those who God had given to him, and that's a precious thought, to think that God has given us to his son. Those who know God. Those who, because they know God, know something that so many people in this world don't know and need to know. And those who, he says in verse 14, are no longer of this world. Sometimes when we get involved in all the things of, uh, of this world, the, the politics, the, the diseases, the changes in life, and the challenges, the heartaches, the hurts, sometimes we forget about that. That when we were born again, even though this body is still of this world, and this body, if if we it's if uh, unless it's living when the Lord comes, this body will go back to the earth, go back to dust. This body is the world, but we, us, our soul, our spirit, we've been born again. We are not of this world. We've been born of heaven. We have our names written, written in the, in our heavenly citizenship just waiting for us. And we need to remember that sometime. Have compassion on this world. Do what we can to be a light and a help in this world according to the will of God. But don't ever uh, forget that we are not of this world. The Lord Jesus Christ prayed and said that to the Father. And he prayed for us, first of all, in verse uh, 15, he said, uh, I pray not that thou shouldest take them out of the world, but that thou shouldest keep them from the evil. And then in verse 17, sanctify them through thy truth. Thy word is truth. Now the Lord knew that we were going to be tried and tested and tempted. The Lord knew of our weak human nature. He'd seen it even in the best and his own disciples and read about it in the great men of history in the Bible. The Lord knows us and yet he loves us. The Lord knows us, and yet he had such mercy and compassion that he gave his life for us. But he prayed that we would overcome evil, that God would keep us from sin. And this is, uh, that we would be able to, the way Paul told the Ephesians, put off the old man. We live in this uh, 
again, thinking in Spanish, vaso de barro, somebody wants to help me with that, this um, earthen vessel, okay, sorry. Paul said we, we have this treasure in an earthen vessel, and don't we know it? <laughs> don't we know it in our lives, and don't we know it in our churches and in this world? Don't we know that? And so the Lord prayed for us, and he prayed that we would be able to do this, to put off the old man with his pride, above all the pride, thinking of me first, my feelings, my way, my judgment, my criteria. Uh, the, the greatest enemy that we have is one we look at in the mirror every day because we've got to be able to, to put the old man to death. We've got to take him off like dirty clothes. Not only like dirty clothes, like clothes have been sprayed with a skunk. You've got to just burn them. They're, just not, they're not good for anything anymore. Uh, get rid of them. The pride, the vanity of sin, the self-centeredness, the care for our own personal uh, comfort, the laziness and the indiscipline that there's a lust and the dishonesty, the deceit, uh, no use at all. Put off the old men. Jesus is, is praying to God that we would have, the, we would be able to enjoy that new life, that abundant life that he came to give us, that we would be able to live, as Paul said, the resurrection. Live with Christ. Live in victory. That it means that we have to continually always have that battle against sin. And thank God that Jesus Christ prayed for us in that. Prayed, prayed that we, we would be kept from evil and that he would sanctify us uh, through the truth. That we have to not only put off the old man, you know, just take off the, the uh, dirty clothes of unrighteousness, you have to put on the righteousness of Christ. We have to live that. Live like the Lord Jesus Christ. Learn what it is to be humble one before another. Live in patience instead of anger and and uh, or, or hurts and, and or anxieties. We have to learn to be honest, even though sometimes uh, the old man says it'd be more convenient not to. We have to learn purity and diligence and love that's tested by offense. Not love like the Lord says of the world where you can easily love those who do good to you and love those who love you. Love uh, that comes from our new life in Christ is uh, that love where he says we can actually love our enemies just as God loved this sinful world and gave his own son for them. We put on the new man, and we put him on at home, and we put him on at work, and we put him on in private, and we put him on in public. We do that in material things as well as spiritual things, to put on the new man and walk with our Lord. Paul I mean, Peter called it walking in his footsteps. And there's something about that uh, terminology of his walking in his footsteps. So when we know when we're talking about walking in his footsteps is doing what he does, right? And thinking the way he thinks. That walking in his footsteps is living like him. And that is, so that's the first thing that he's talking about here, of being kept from evil. But that's not all. There's a path of those footsteps. There's a purpose of those footsteps. And the purpose was to come and to seek and to save that which was lost. That was the reason the Father sent him. 
because of his love for this unsaved world. And we've got to remember that sometimes when we look at the depravity and the foolishness that we see in this world, that God loves this world. What God wants us to do is not to just live in the frustration that's so easy to have. It's to still look at people the way God looks at them and just obey God the way he has commanded us to be a light to the world because God's power can still transform lives. We have to believe that. And so to walk in his footsteps, uh, to do what he does, to think as he thinks, but to go where he wants us to go in that path. And that path leads us to the lost sheep that brings such joy to the father, to the shepherd when they're found. That, that, uh, that leads us to the joy of the, of the father when he sees that prodigal son returning on that path and repentant of his sin. It's, uh, it, it's been something that's always throughout my life as a preacher's kid, as a Christian, and as a missionary. I have to confess to you, one of the things that is a, is a uh, trial and uh, tries my patience is the concept that many have in Christianity that Christianity is a matter of behaving yourselves. And that's one of the greatest deceits that has ever been spread amongst Christians, that, uh, that Christianity just consists in being good and behaving yourself. And, and God didn't send the Lord Jesus Christ just to behave himself and then let the world die and go to hell. God sent Jesus Christ in the world to live that perfect life and to be that Lamb of God, to be sacrificed so that others might not perish but might have eternal life. And that is still a purpose that has to, in, in, in the midst of all of the struggles and the hurts and the, and the cares and the, and the tasks that, that, uh, that we bear and that occupy our lives, we have to keep our minds on what the Lord Jesus Christ prayed here in, uh, in verse 18, he said to the Father, As thou hast sent me into the world, even so I also have I also sent them into the world. We are also sent. And as the Lord Jesus Christ, when the Father sent him, what did he do? He said, Yes, Lord. He accepted humbly. There was no question. There was no limitation. There was no negotiation. There was obedience, humble obedience, willing because of his own love also for the world and above all because of his humility before the Father. And he, so he is having that same thought when he says, the way that you sent me into the world, and he came and he finished the work that he was given to do, that now we have been sent into this world and I hope that one of these days we can stand before God or pray at him when we are facing the end of our life and say, Lord, I've finished the work that you've given me to do. Wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Is that one of our goals? Is that one of the things that we have in our heart, in our life? To be, so because we know this life is going to end. And many of those things that occupy our life are just going to be past. Many things are going to pass away and, and are, are going to 
They have no value in, in all of eternity, but there are things that God has prepared for us to do in our life, a work to do in each one of our lives. Whoever we are, wherever we are, God doesn't have ex uh, 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 exceptions in, in that aspect. God has a purpose and a plan for everyone and loves each one and wants them to have that ability to hear the words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Can, are we looking, are we looking with, with all of our heart to being able to one day say, no, we're not like the Lord. We're not going to ever be able to have it like the Lord. And, that's, and so we're going to glory in his grace daily. We're going to glory in his mercy throughout our entire life. But at least we want to stand before him as we can and say, Lord, I did finish the work that you've given me to do. Those talents that you give, I've put them to work and I have more to give back to you. And so he prayed for us and to be like him in his life and to be like him in going to do the Father's will for this world. And there's many, many other things I could mention here, but uh, time's not going to let me. I just want to mention one fact, is that he was praying. And that is something we, we need just see. I mean, this is not part of, of the words of the message, but it's what he's doing here. He's praying. It's what I mentioned at the beginning, how wonderful it is to, to hear uh, someone pray, especially someone that we hold uh, uh, uplifted in their walk with God or precious in our lives to hear them pray. And the Lord Jesus Christ was praying. The Lord Jesus Christ, uh, a couple of years before this, had looked out on the multitudes, and his heart was moved with compassion because he saw the people occupied in their lives, running about as sheep with no shepherd, and he was moved with compassion. And what did he do? He told his disciples to pray that there would be more laborers unto the harvest. And then right after that, he sent them to be laborers unto the harvest. And one of the things we have to always get back to day by day because we can fail in this. Doesn't matter whether we're preachers, missionaries, or who we are. One of the challenges that we have is to have that closeness to the Lord every morning where we just have to pray. We just feel that need. And, 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 and we have to pray not just because we feel the need, it's because he's, he's worthy of that. And because there's so many others that depend on prayer. And there's no great work that's ever going to be done separate from prayer because that's God's way. And we just have to accept that, realize that. Everything that we look forward to, challenges in life and great things that we want to attempt for God, they're going to have to be mixed with prayer because that's the way of God. And there is no other way. And the last thing that I wanted to mention is this repetition of words that he says, uh, verse 2, and you have to think about this a little bit, but, but look at this with me. Verse 2, he says, as thou hast given him power over all flesh, that he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. In verse 6, I have manifested thy name unto the men which thou gavest me out of the world. Thine they were, and thou gavest them me and they have kept 
thy word. And then verse 24, Father, I will that they also whom thou hast given me be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which thou hast given me, for thou lovest me before the foundation of the world. The, the focus that we have always, the word that is repeated again and again here, is given. It's talking about giving. And, and what it does is it, uh, is it shows us the heart of God. Now, you're thinking, well, a missionary had to get giving in there somehow, right? Yeah, it's, uh, a missionary's got to be able to get giving in. And, and that, that's not actually my purpose here tonight. It is a fruit. The giving to missions is not actually the, the goal itself. It's the fruit of a goal. The Macedonians, when they, when they desired to give to that special offering, what did they do first? They gave themselves first. You see, when you talk about giving here in his prayer, what you gave me, uh, and, and uh, giving is repeated one time. Why? Because that is God's heart. I mean, John 3.16, one of the first verses we ever learned as a kid, for God so loved the world that he gave. It's God's heart when he sees a need and his love, his heart is moved with compassion that he gives. It's the nature of God to give. It's not the nature of God to, to, uh, to take, to keep, to, to not want to give. And God wants us to be like him. So yes, I, I do talk about giving. And I don't talk about giving because we have a Bible college project that, that, uh, that has a need. We, we don't talk about giving because of the people that need to be reached in, in countries all over the world. There is a need. And, there, and it is a worthy need to think about giving. But the truth is we give as Christians because we're like him. See, he prayed one Time and time again, he said, like in verse 23, and he repeated this throughout the whole prayer, I in them and thou in me, that they may be made perfect in one, that the world may know that thou hast sent me. And that's the focus, you see that? All of this praying, and he says, finally, why that the world may know? He came for that reason, and he's praying for that reason, that the world may know. But one of the things that he puts on us is our oneness with him. I think uh, for many years I looked at this as a good message for unity in the church and, and unity in uh, having patience one with another, loving one with another. And that is a doctrine of the Bible. But here, when you really uh, are looking at it more, he's not talking so much about the oneness between us and unity and between us in or you in a church, he's talking about a oneness with him. Just as he is with the Father, he wants us to be one with him. The, even the unity of the church is not in itself uh, the, the uh, goal, it's a fruit. When we are like God, when we are one with our Savior, when we desire to walk with him, in the way that we can. Again, I'm not saying that there's any way that we have a hope of perfection like the Lord Jesus Christ, but he's worth every effort we can to give our best. And so, we want to be like him. And if his heart is to, to be one 
and to have the same mind and the same purpose and not be distracted by things that could, could hinder us and divide us and cause uh, sorrow to the heart of the Lord, then we also would have a desire and, and make every effort to daily, each one of us, be one with Christ. And as each one is seeking through his word and through his spirit in your communion with Christ, and as each one is in union with Christ, then there will be no problem with unity in the church. It will be a fruit of that. And as we are one with Christ and we find out of his heart to give, there will be no problem with giving. The grace of giving will be just as natural as can be with us because we are like our Father. We had a very sad thing happen uh, several years ago in, in one of the families of our church. A young lady that grew up in the church. I'd known her since childhood. And uh, she grew up and she got married. But the devil... Uh, tempted her and another young man in the church, and they committed adultery. And there was a child born of that adultery, and what made it really uh, uh, just so known was because the child was identical to the father who was not her husband. The, the, the young man who committed that sin with her very distinct uh, features, and the little girl who was born had the exact, and so it just makes a sense where uh, they don't want to bring, they don't want to come to church anymore. They're going to another one of our missions, but they don't want to come to our church anymore because they just, it's like broadcasting this act of sin. Now they know that they're forgiven, they have repented, and they know that we're not going to hold sin against them, but it's just a shame that they have to live with. Sin has consequences, and it's just something very difficult for them because when they came, they're just kind of, kind of announcing the sin that was committed because this baby is not like her father. And I wonder sometimes if we need to think about that, that God wants us to look like him. God wants us to have a heart and a mind and a purpose like him. He doesn't want us to, before this world, look, look like his enemy, look like the devil, look like the others of the world. Now, they're trying to do that. They, they want to tempt us to sin and they want to tempt us to be unfaithful to our Father. But it needs to be something that permeates our heart in the depths of our heart that this world might be able to see that we are a child of God and that our heart is like his. Let's bow our heads in prayer.